Hi friends, welcome to the Universal Sisterhood Podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 68. In today's episode, I chat with Chantelle Howard. She's a mum, a wife, uh, she's a business owner, and she is such a beautiful, beautiful um, woman to talk to about raising children. Um, I have had her daughter on the podcast before, and I really, her daughter Gemma inspired me to look into the mother behind the girl, because as you all know, um, there has to be, for, for women to stand out and step out in courage, there has to be a catalyst or a reason that they do that um, so beautifully and um, heroically. And Chantel really showed me where Gemma got her um, example from. Uh, we talk about weaning your child into adulthood which often resembles weaning a baby. It requires repeated behaviors, some tears, some tantrums, hard and sometimes scary times, sleepless nights, a lot of letting go, and lots of trusting that God will be God. Um, Our conversation follows along the lines of letting our children exercise their freedom because they have free will which can inevitably lead to to choices that aren't good for them and will cause them pain. But being there for them and allowing them to fail forward, um, not letting that setback hinder their their virtue, I suppose. Um, Our children have freedom and it's not our job to redeem them. They have a redeemer and we have to let him save them. Um, We talk about navigating hard things. We are all in the midst of hard and um, we were born for this time and we we are equipped with everything necessary to get through um, the season that we find ourselves in globally. Um, We talk about essential oils and just the beauty of faith and knowing that we are never alone. God will never leave us. Um, you are really going to enjoy listening to Chantelle um, because she was such a joy to chat with. I just want to remind the listeners also that um, in October, it's a month of the rosary, and I am running a consecration, Mary's Mantle Consecration, which starts on the 18th of October and if you're interested just hop on over to my Instagram page and send me a message there and I'll add you to the list Um, and there's also a competition for um, to win a pair of rosary beads and one for your friend you're gonna love this episode with Chantel have a great day podcast Chantel Thank you so much, Jessica. What a treat to be here all the way across the, the seas. Yeah, <laughs> the pond. Yeah. We're in the future for you. <laughs> That's so, right. It's so welcome. Time. Extraordinary. I always think about that. You're so ahead of the game. Yeah. 
Um, before we dive into our conversation, I'd love for you to tell us something of who you are and what your life looks like right now. Very good. Well, my name is Chantal Howard, and I'm a mother of six children, uh, seven with one little one in heaven. And um, I live in North Idaho in the United States, uh, about 60 miles south of the, the Canadian border in the beautiful hills, um, mountains, very rural, and there's a beautiful giant lake. So that's a big landmark for us that we get to claim and enjoy. Um, we are currently uh, experiencing just a beautiful fall and, and we are very blessed that right now our circumstances are such that life feels pretty close to normal. And I know that's not always, that's not the case for much of the world. So I, I feel very privileged. Um, we have our children at home, we're homeschooling, and I run two uh, and almost a third business. I'm in the middle of launching another. So um, I work in health coaching and especially in essential oil support for families, uh, specifically through a Catholic perspective so that they can feel confidence in knowing how to use those health modalities in a way that doesn't compromise their faith. Uh, I'm the designer of Aroma Rosary, which is a beautiful, they're beautiful handcrafted rosaries that hold and diffuse essential oils to enhance prayer. And then I'm uh, moving into life coaching as well. So I have a very full plate um, with all of those aspects of life happening all at once. So I just try not to drop any of the fragile balls, so to speak, because I do the juggle. <laughs> That's incredible. That's amazing. I actually noticed that you've also written a book. I am. I'm the author of, um, it's called The School of the Family. And for a season, I wrote it, it, it was uh, published in 2010. Mm -hmm. And there was a big season after that, that I kind of, felt like I had to hide because the book I felt kind of put me on a pedestal that I couldn't necessarily live up to. And we all have those moments where we feel like, you know, that imposter syndrome gets in the way where we feel like we're not enough or maybe what we have shared, we can't practice what we preach. And so I am trying to bring that back to light and share it because there's so much youthful kind of young mom wisdom. And I've learned a lot since 2010 now that I have uh, you know, children that I've all seen, you know, from beginning all the way through to adulthood. And, um, and so I'm, I'm taking it with a grain of salt myself. And I hope that my readers do as well. Um, as I, I kind of, I want to do a reversion or at least an appendix. And I want to title it from ideal to real, <laughs> because that's the reality that so many of us face. We have our ideals and then we have to implement into everyday life and accept our faults and our failings in the process. And isn't that the challenge though? We can have all these ideals as a new mom and um, newly married, whatever, whatever we're new at, mm -hmm. and then reality hits you in the face. <laughs> yes, and it's often painful, but there's something about the ideal that I think God wants us to constantly taste first. He always lets that be the case. You know, we have, have the ideal that he gave us in creation, the ideal in our blessed mother, the ideal in the new Adam, all of these beautiful encounters. And of course, heaven itself constantly keeping us thirsty. But yes, we're, most of us are in the valley right now. And most of us have to, uh, have to just roll up our sleeves and um, accept the the challenge of the the moment, especially in a world that is so so much in pain right now. Yeah, yeah. I um I heard somebody I can't remember who it was 
but she was praying and she was just asking our Lord, um, where where are you hurting? Where are you hurting right now? And he said, everywhere. And I thought, oh, it's so true. Our world is in so much pain. Um, and I think a lot of it is because we've turned our back on truth. Um, and I just love the fact that I wanted to talk to you because I saw a lot of humble truth in you. Um, I first of all, the Holy Spirit led me to your daughter, your beautiful daughter, Gemma, and her journey, her story of um, having a baby as a teen mum and being a voice for, um, for, you know, life and standing up for, you know, she, she really showed me that not only was she determined and courageous enough to keep her baby in a world that tells you the opposite, that it's going to hinder you and, you know, it's much easier to get rid of this problem, so to speak. Um, Not only did she say yes to her sweet little Josephine, but she also was courageous enough to become a voice for teen mums and and women that are um, struggling and, and find themselves in unplanned pregnancies. And I just thought, she is such a strong, heroic woman, and I want to know her mum. So then I, <laughs> I put on my detective <laughs> eyes and went searching for you, and um, you did not disappoint, Chantel. <laughs> and I, I saw that you had written a book, but it was you didn't. You, you mentioned it once. I thought, oh, I wonder why she hasn't mentioned the book again. <laughs> now I know. But it is, I see it a lot. I grew up in a very um, good Catholic family, uh, practising. I went to a very good school with very sound doctrine and faith formation. Um, And it was in my 20s, my, my late 20s, early 30s, when I just kept thinking, what, why, what's the disconnect? Why were these beautiful, big, strong, supposedly healthy Catholic families uh, raising their children in the faith and none of them practice anymore. And I want to know, I want to pick your brains. How do you keep your kids Catholic? What is, what? I know it's no formula, but. Yeah, Jessica, that's, it's really interesting because that was why I wrote the book. My mother fell away from the faith and was separated from my father for five years. I was the second generation, so to speak, of the family. And I was raised in an environment where it was really vibrant. But the one thing that was different was that she never shied away from sharing her story of brokenness. And and she was very vulnerable with us about her, her struggle with her faith, her struggle to come back to the church fold. And and there was something in that that just allowed me the confidence to, to stay. Now, my sister, my younger sister, she was a rebel and she pushed back. So I did see very much firsthand that it's not a one size fit all, fits all. We aren't guaranteed that if we are, um, if we do the thing, right, that the result will happen. If we, if we go to church every Sunday or even if we catechize our kids well, But the one thing that we are promised, especially when we consecrate our children to our Blessed Mother, is that in the end, she will not let them go. 
And it may be a roundabout journey like Gemma's. She was well-formed. She did know all the truth. She was pro-life from a young age and she drifted and she encountered a lot of pain. And part of that, of course, we go back, we analyze what could we have done differently? What should we have done differently? But in the end, the reality is that God has given me a lot of consolation that we, we did the best we could and he will always draw straight with our crooked lines. And so we just have to keep laying our children back in his heart and surrendering and, and doing the work to look at ourselves and see where we can grow, where we can unite better with him in partnership with, you know, our parenting and our marriages. So Jessica, it isn't a one size fits all, that's for sure, but it is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful pursuit, right? We have to keep seeking, keep seeking the truth and keep seeking to be humble and, and to bring our children back to him. Mm. You, uh, you mentioned something if, uh, in my sleuthing. <laughs> <laughs> I was captivated. I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm going to get into bed now and, and look up Chantelle Howard and see what she said. Not Chantelle, your oily Catholic mum or something. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, because you said something about this spiritual wisdom of being um, when they're younger, you're in that in the desert phase. Could you? And then as they get older, it becomes more the Beatitudes phase. Could you? Could you say something about that? Of course. Yeah. It was actually an inspiration that my spiritual director gave me as a young mom, and I understand now better than ever what he really intended because I've been through raising them as little than now as adults. And, and it's simple, the simple principle that if we, if we imitate the way God raised his people, um, what we see is that in the early stages of their relationship with the people of Israel, he, he allowed them to be trained up with the thou shalt nots, right? The, the law and the, the 10 commandments. And it was out of love. Thou shalt not, you know, covet, thou shalt not murder, etc. And if we do that with our younger kids, it's pretty instinctive, right? Don't touch the stove. Thou shalt not run out in the street. <laughs> thou shalt not hit thy sister, right? Like these are the principles that we function under when they're young. And the problem that I see oftentimes is that we get stuck there, right? And as our kids begin to emerge and their, their, their mental capacity changes and their their desire to expand and grow. If we stay in that space where it's thou shalt not, you know, have sex outside of marriage, thou shalt not skip Sunday mass. And we stay in this kind of rigidity. We miss the wisdom that Jesus came and he chant transitioned his church into a model of the Beatitudes. It didn't do away, you know, he didn't do away with the law, but he came and he said, actually now it's blessed are you when, and that, parenting transition, I think happens right around that 10, 11, 12, 13, depending on the maturity of a child, where all of a sudden, if we take our language and we start to say, blessed are you when you love your sister more than yourself. Blessed are you when you choose to go to Sunday mass with the family with a willing heart. Yes, you have to go, but the blessing is in the attitude that the beatitude attitude. And I think that is something that uh, we learned we learned through the hard knocks of our of our journey with Gemma for sure. She she always responded better when we were in a mentality of the Beatitudes versus that Old Testament strictness. And so 
you know, it's a delicate walk. Some, some need more boundaries than others, but that is the wisdom that I, I try to hold on to as I do this, this dance now with all the other little ones coming yeah. up the ring. And isn't it a dance? You know, <laughs> some, some, some children, it's the foxtrot. Others, others, it's a very slow kind of waltz and others, it's like a, <laughs> a rave. <laughs> That's a good image, and it's so true. Each personality is so different. And I was teasing the other day because I said, I was talking with somebody, and I said, I have a one-year-old and an eighteen-year-old, and uh, and I and I jokingly said, I said, Lord, I think that means that I'm a schizophrenic parent, right? Like I have to jump from adulthood down to tiny baby world and everything in between. But He gives us the grace if we're willing. So it's quite the adventure. <laughs> it is. I have the son. I have. I have a 21-year-old and a 7-year-old. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had some starting university and some starting school and it's like <laughs> it's there's, there's that real stretching. You know, not only do our bellies stretch, but our hearts stretch and our perspective stretches and so does our our ability. You know, we can endure, which I want to talk to you about hard things. Mm -hmm. Um so you have been on a journey, quite the journey. Could you could you speak into that a bit? Sure, yeah. My husband and I had a very idyllic relationship as a young couple. Uh, a lot of idealism, a lot of just exceptional encounters. He was discerning religious life. I had discerned religious life. I spent time in France in a convent. He had spent time overseas studying theology. We had We had a... Uh, a beautiful, pure, and and quite uh, quite lovely courtship. And then we got married. <laughs> and the first year of marriage was a crucible of so much extraordinary pain, um, primarily just that we inflicted on each other with these expectations that were just untenable. And um, and I found myself as a young bride just broken and and quite devastated by the, yeah, just that perfectionism that we carried into our early, early marriage. Um, we shortly after that, we, we did, we did persevere and push forward, of course, because that seemed like, um, that was the call was to endure. And, and it went from, from this ideal of, oh my goodness, we're going to be this exceptional couple of, of strength and stamina. And, and we're going to, going to be able to change the world to, we're going to change the world by learning how to to heal and to be broken and to identify where people's woundedness is and speak into that. And so as our marriage transitioned and we brought kids on board, we were in ministry for a long time uh, in parish ministry. We spent about nine years in parish ministry. And then we decided to go on the road as a family. We traveled the country, lived in an RV and just spoke to that truth that you know, the, the, the mission is where are you wounded and how can we bring Jesus's mercy and um, and how do we create a culture of mercy in our homes where we are always seeking forward to the truth, but accepting our frailties. Um, some a simple a simple example of that was just our love for the rosary and the rosary was both something that we really wanted to remain faithful to. And yet it was a huge cross because I wanted to chant the rosary in Byzantine style, like my childhood. And Peter wanted to do it in a Roman strict, very clear way. And we would, we would rift and argue over things as good and as noble as the rosary. 
Um, and as a result, like there were lots of lots of challenges that emerged as we tried to just like discover God's mercy in each other. Um, as we did that journey around the country, that's what in a lot of respects, that's where a lot of the, the financial and just tangible challenges came in. Um, we, our vehicle broke down five times. We were stranded on the side of the road. We had all kinds of hurdles. He just asked us to endure all these challenges that we never anticipated. And then as we emerged out of that into just being in a family home again, there was a period of time where we lost a lot of money that sent our marriage back into a whole different kind of turmoil. The kids in the midst of that, Gemma's choices, the heart-wrenching challenge of raising a teen who was just pushing away from you and the nights, the, the, the agonizing nights of not knowing where she was, what she was doing, how, how to love her through this. And that put another strain in our marriage. So there was all of these unexpected tensions that we never anticipated we would have to deal with. Um, and so by the time COVID hit, we were pretty sure that, um, you know, the rest of the world had just decided to, to jump into our nightmare because in a lot of respects, we were already there. We were there financially. We were there emotionally. We were, we were at a point of pretty, a pretty low, big low. And to be honest, it's, it's the power of God's grace, but COVID in a lot of respects was a saving grace for us. We had to slow down and come face to face with each other. And we created for the first time in our home, a real intentional prayer encounter with our children. And we, it was, it's interesting because it was when we were actually away from the sacraments that God allowed this grace to come into our domestic church and begin to heal us. And, uh, and of course, then Gemma's beautiful little Josephine was another grace that, um, that he allowed us to respond to. And so the healing journey over the last two years has been quite an amazing journey. And one that I, I definitely can speak into the heart of women and in the heart of families is that we are, we are wired to endure hard things. This mm -hmm. is very true. And it's through those hard things that we often encounter his mercy more than we ever could otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's very, do you think women endure hard things better than men? I, I think that that's true, and, and, and it's not only um, uh, something I just think, but I think there's, a, there's a, a brain chemistry that comes along with this conversation that's pretty interesting. They say that when women endure hard things, their heart rate slows, their respirations slow, and they tend to be more calm, and they tend to move into more of that parasympathetic nervous system. Whereas for men, when they endure hard things, their heart rate rises, their temper rises, their intensity rises. And so they tend to be more reactionary. So while God intended those for, for two distinct purposes, I think that women tend to bear challenge, bear childbirth, bear pain in a way that's more, more peaceful mm. and more accepting. And so, you know, I think that's that's just an interesting perspective, um, and especially because of our closeness to our children through childbirth, I do think that there's a capacity in our heart that us, that God put there that allows us to suffer in a way that's different than than men. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I I love as women we are we are life bearers, aren't we? So we we have 
that ability to push life into the world and we have that ability to push through hard things. Um, where was your faith in all of this? Had you, was it, was it challenged? Like, I, I mean, before, like when Gemma was out and you're at, at night beside yourself, those nights were so they were they were an agony in the garden that I had never experienced before, and I I do think that um, my faith was was I don't know tested is the right word, but it was certainly I was asked to engage in engage my faith, and there were times when I failed. There were times where worry took over. There's times where control and this desire to just force virtue into her heart, you know, and you will change and you will be home and you will do what I want and you will. And that, that was when the Lord often would whisper in my heart and just be like, no, the, re the response and the only recourse you have right now is to let me be her savior. You cannot save her. I can save her. And that was a very hard place to rest, um, for sure a very hard place to rest and one that demanded me to discover hope and that you know to be in a place of pain and to really to really believe that he can save is is no easy task and it's one that that of course we can only do in in communion with his grace but he does he does ask us to make an act of faith an act of hope and so there were many nights where it was okay lord i i choose i choose to let you save her and um i never expected it to come about the way he did the journey of walking with gemma um and finding again her courage and her confidence um was it was one that was very humbling because what it what it really revealed to me was that when I spoke life into her and when I let others speak life into her, she would rise. And when we lived in a place of guilt or shame or or critique, she would sink. And as she found her confidence, I was I just realized how much more of a back behind the scenes role I was really asked to take. It was really, really very humbling to have to kind of get out of the way and to take myself off of the stage, so to speak, and let her emerge. And in doing so, she did find a, a confidence and a voice and a, and a courage that I, I can't take credit for. It's How not. Speak life. Does it come naturally to you? Like I know, you know, sometimes me as a mother, my human frailty, my human um, sinfulness. I, that's the last thing I want to do is when I've got this kid that is driving me nuts and, you know, we've all been there. But the last thing I feel like doing is speaking life into them um, because I know it's not, it's it's going to sound contrived or it's going to, it's going to sound unauthentic. How do you, how do you do that? You know, I do think that there's, this is kind of a, a, a life coaching tactic or technique that I've begun to implement more in my life, but there is a there is a valid place for um, for doing it anyways, right? Like for faking it almost. And I know that sounds that sounds really perhaps like you said contrived, 
but when we decide, and so much of it is about just deciding what story we're going to, to believe, you know, do I believe that through, do I believe that God can do anything and that she is good and that he has etched into her his grace? Do I believe that she is capable of making a transformative, a transformative journey, just like St. Augustine or St. Monica or any of the great, great saints who fell and then rose again? Yes. That she can be that saint. And can I begin to find evidence to support that? It's whatever we see, whatever we seek out, we're going to find, right? Like if we if we want to look at our children and find failure, there's going to be plenty of it there. But if we take time to pause and to reflect and change that story in our mind, then we can begin to communicate it differently. And we'll suddenly begin to see evidence of, of, their, of their grace and of their goodness. So I think it's what we focus on, what we choose to see, and then and then to learn to speak anyways, to speak that life anyways. And I'll remember, I remember when she told me that she, uh, she was going to have this sweet little Josephine and, and it was, you know, the, that moment to choose like, okay, is this a, oh my goodness, how could you moment? Or is this a, all right, you have a choice for heroic virtue right now. And I know that's what you can choose because you are good and you are, you are capable of being a victory in the midst of this. And I'm just grateful that somewhere in the midst of that very painful moment, God gave me the grace and, and my husband to, to choose life and to realize this is, these are the moments that, that we, we preach about. These are the moments that we, we declare ourselves to be um, people of life and people of victory. So this is, this is my chance to step up and show her that I do actually believe what I've said. So beautiful. How did you find, um, because you clearly have, uh, you're surrounded by very uh, Catholic people how did you find their reaction to you? Was it disappointing or was it encouraging? I was so, so surprised by the amount of people that stepped up to support her. Oh. It was such an outpouring of support. Um, it, it was, it was the, and I think for her too, but for me, it was the most staggering. We didn't anticipate that. We anticipated perhaps that she needed to hide her story or that she needed to be in the backgrounds or stay in the shadows or that people would feel, you know, uncomfortable. And the exact opposite was true. The second she chose to share her story, I mean, I feel like almost four out of five, maybe even, I mean, yeah, four to five people would say, I've been there. We know this story. We've been on that path. We want to support her. We, we champion your choice to life here. How can we help? Um, it was, it was pretty, at least at my level, I think for her, she did experience a little bit more amongst her peers, awkwardness and uncertainty. And, and she's had some, some people be a little bit more bold now that she's put herself out there and perhaps contrary, but the vast majority of our experience, especially among the people of our, our community was how can we serve and how can we help and how can we be in this with her? That's beautiful. That the more I um, go on my journey of of the initial starting of like why did these families how did these good families why were they why are their children leaving the faith 
and the more I've prayed about it and thought about it and talked about it and I think it it, it does come down to being a an honest uh, storyteller to yeah. your children about your story because I my dad never had any qualms about telling us about his alcoholism he always used to he loves the good he tells it anyone that will listen his story um, but I used to see these families that looked perfect and acted perfectly and maybe they weren't authentic storytellers because you can't we're not perfect <laughs> right it's so true and it's interesting because it was in this process that my husband in particular found the courage to pull back that curtain of his own story and his heart which he'd been I think very he'd held on tightly he didn't want them to know his own challenge and his own weakness and his own struggle because he wanted to be in a man that was stalwart and confident and clear and convicted and passionate about his faith. And yet it's when we realize that we're all, we are all so, so capable of sin and so, so weak that we need to just be honest and recognize that the only strength that exists in me is his strength, you know, and the only reason that maybe I managed to be able to be a faithful teen <laughs> was because it was sheer gift. It wasn't me. And, and that he, and that doesn't mean that we don't have, um, have freedom to partner with him or even that he gives us certain capacities. I don't want to, to downplay it or to be, um, I don't know. I, I think it's too easy to kind of have this self pity or this false humility, right? Mm -hmm. St. Therese chose, she shows us, you can be very confident in God's grace. You can be very confident in the capacity he's given you. And so, you know, glory be to him. I, I was able to do that. But um, I guess the point is simply that you're right. It is about being authentic storytellers and, and we get to choose which story we share. And it is very important that we, we let our children know that weakness and fallen and broken stories are often the ones that he loves the most. Yeah. He really does pick us up and, and make beautiful things out of the ashes. Yeah. I, I had an encounter with one of my girls a few weeks ago and she, you know, things started to unravel and she was in her room back against the door, didn't want to talk to anybody, you know. Um, and I said, I I need to come in, I need to talk to you. Um, and I'm not leaving until you let me in. Anyway, we went in and we had a big talk and I was, I said, I, I, you know, I'm not perfect and I struggle with these things. She says, really, what? You know, mm -hmm. you think that they know, but they, unless you're there to tell them all the time, they, they think when they, when they stuff up or if they do something wrong, they're the only ones going through it and shame sets in and, you know, they, they kind of self-isolate, they reject, they, they, they pull away when when we can open up then they can open up and there's this dial I suppose with any relationship a dialogue forms and that's where healing happens yeah we instituted a um an idea called the family conclave which is a little bit long <laughs> take it for what it's worth but it was basically this idea that we would come together and when we needed some healing and forgiveness we would just stop and we would just speak it out loud to each other. And so it would just be gathering as a family and just simply saying like, I, I just want you all to know I've been struggling with this and 
I need to ask mercy and forgiveness. And it's so cute because the little kids, of course, they're like, yes, I'll go, you know, I'm sorry for whatever. And it just lets the, lets the tension out of the family dynamic. And so, you know, we, we do this occasionally. It's very ad hoc. It doesn't have to be anything super formal, but it's just knowing that there's a space that we often can create where that tension can be relieved. And it's kind of like, I don't know. Then, of course, go to confession, right? Family, but we try to go to confession as a family as often as we can so that the kids see us going to confession, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's not a, a sacrament that's readily available for a lot of people right now. There's so many people who are suffering from the lack of the sacraments. Um, so I think confessing out loud to one another, as the scriptures have, have indicated we can do, is important because we do need to let we need to hear ourselves and our, I think our family needs to hear us seek mercy too. And that's a hard thing for a lot of, I, th- I find Australians are a lot more reserved than Americans, but I know it's, it's uh, you know, every family's different, but generally speaking, it's harder for us to um, speak our mind, I think, be, be more vulnerable. We're very, we're quite... Um, self-preserving <laughs> maybe more, more more prideful maybe <laughs> well there's a time and a place for that too I I must admit I, I I know there's a many many moments when I probably should have stayed quiet when I spoke up so we'll we'll, we'll praise the Australians for their decorum and and hopefully uh, stretch you all out a little bit in this podcast, encourage you just to, to find that vulnerable side of just a little bit, because it is, it is consoling. And, um, you know, and that's, there's, there's just like we started, there's this beauty of the law and the Beatitudes that can live in harmony. And that's our goal is just to continue to try to find that balance and, and help our children realize that, Yes, we're striving for excellence, but in the end, the blessing comes when we're merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that hunger for righteousness. And that's what we ultimately want to stir up in our children is a longing, a longing for him. And, and so we, we keep trying, right? We keep trying to till the soil and plant those seeds. That's so beautiful. Um, Chantel, I wanted to talk go change now to your oily side oh, I love it. yes let's do it. <laughs> because that was really intriguing too you got me a, a few a few more nights after looking at your um family side I got into the oils and um I myself which I've, I've already done a podcast on uh, how oils can be used essential oils in the home to you know just calming and all sorts of things. I can't believe how much frankincense can do. Uh, wow. What a thrill. <laughs> yeah. I have it like, I, and I now go to bed, I rub oils on my on my temples and on my neck. And apparently the spine is the best place. Is that right? It's one of the best places. I mean, there is there's um, evidence to suggest that especially as viruses settle into that spinal column and that spinal fluid that we can access we can access that point. So the spine is a good place. Uh, the back of the neck, the base of the where the brain stem meets the neck, that's an excellent place for pain as well as for focus. Um, so there's there's definitely so many modalities. Not behind the ears, behind the spine, behind the. Also, so 
behind the behind the ear is the mastoid bone, yeah. which gives us access to the vagus nerve, which impacts digestion, which impacts balance, which impacts a lot of things. So my biggest recommendation is that when you're choosing how to use your oils is that you really think about what body system are you trying to impact? And then you begin to choose your application model based on that, that particular body system. So for instance, if I was addressing, you know, a, a headache, right, it's going to make the most sense to apply in the back of the neck and on the temples. However, that might not make the most sense if I'm trying to address, you know, um, gut discomfort, right? Like I might want to apply more on the region of my abdomen. Um, so it just is really a fun art and a science. And I do think that's the part that keeps me intrigued is there's this balance between the art of it and the, the technique or the scientific side of it that is emerging. And it's a powerful modality for so many different things. It's, it's really a fun place to be. Wow. What I wanted to talk to you about was because in Australia we have um, very high uh, vaccination levels. And I know that a lot of people um, are, uh, you know, really um, battling with that, the fact that they have this toxin in their body that they're not in, entirely happy with. Um, and you were talking once on one of your lives about detoxing from the immunisation. Could you give us some insight? <laughs> because I know it'll bring a lot of uh, peace and a lot of hope to many people. Yes, yeah, I um, just to tie the last two subjects together, right, the way in which we manage our spiritual and mental health and ask for mercy, is it's kind of a beautiful correlation. God has knit into our biochemistry the ability to endure hard things. So for many who have made that choice, willingly or unwillingly, the reality is, is that our bodies are made to heal and to reject what doesn't serve us. So the capacity of the body to detoxify is very um, it's, it's a huge blessing. And I hope that just in and of itself brings hope because when we feed our bodies well and we nourish them with the, the, the God given natural things that God wants our bodies to be fed on, our bodies work pretty amazingly. So, you know, even if you've chosen to immunize, I just want you to have that confidence that, that God can overcome even that, right? Like if there's something that is a toxin in your body, he's going to give you the means to move through that. And one of the ways that we're seeing that happen um, is just simple things. We can we can utilize lemon essential oil to help detoxify cells that hold on to heavy metals. And that's one of the safety mechanisms. When we have toxins in our bodies, our fat cells protect them and harbor them and hold them. And so over time, that accumulation can be very damaging. But lemon essential oils, that D-limonene that's present, is, can help detoxify cellular um, toxins. So a couple of drops in your water. Now, I want to give a quick caveat. I work with a pharmacological grade essential oil when I talk about these things. So be careful not to just use any essential oils. Most essential oils, upwards of 90%, are not intended for a pharmacological purpose. They're just intended to smell pretty or make your bathroom not stink, right? <laughs> so be careful. I prefer and work with the doTERRA brand, and there are a couple of others out there that are very pure. But if you need a source, please let me know. I'd love to work with you. 
So lemon essential oil can be utilized internally in this light to detoxify. There's another couple of essential oils, uh, frankincense, clove. Um, I would lean into uh, um, a combination of thyme and oregano, geranium. Uh, these are oils that are very high in their capacity to detoxify and to support the immune system to protect the organs from that spike protein, which is what we hear a lot about. So it's both a detox as well as a support of the immune system that we're looking to do. And, um, you know, the other, I'll say the one last thing that I really think is important is in using essential oils and natural supplements, we're trying to get the body to do what it does best, which is produce its own antioxidants, glutathione being the mother of all <laughs> antioxidants, to protect ourselves. And so we're, we're basically just jump-starting the body. We're saying, do what you know what to do. You know how to handle this. And that's the joy of bringing essential oils on board is that it really helps your body do what it can do best. Wow. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So you, you're saying in water, so not, not in rollers or in diffusers to, to actually ingest them. This, so when I'm coaching people through this process, we do a, a combination of internal supplements that include essential oils, that include things like um, NAC, nanolistic, uh, uh, I can't even say it, NAC. It's, the, it's, a, it's a glutathione producing supplement. Um, we're going to incorporate a combination of oils that are meant for cellular support and we're gonna diffuse, right? And we're gonna roll on. Diffusing spikes, <laughs> spikes in a uh, good way, um, the T cells to respond to invaders. So you can implement that for both, um, both detoxing as well as we know that even those who've been immunized are still getting sick, are mm -hmm. still dealing with the fallout. It's really not being, you know, the perfect golden bullet that they had proclaimed it to be. So you still wanna support your immune system and diffusing at night is one of the best ways you can do that. Uh, wood oils, uh, Siberian fir, uh, Douglas fir, black spruce, um, uh, cypress. These are all oils that are excellent to diffuse at night uh, to help to basically stimulate the immune system in a positive direction. Okay. So there's a great protocol we've kind of put together. And, um, you know, again, every body is different and every situation is different. So I like to try to nuance it the best I can. But these are general recommendations based on what I would do for my own family and I extend out as as support to those who have questions. So do you put diffusers in the bedrooms or? We do. We diffuse right next to the bed. It's probably the most consistent thing we do is just turn the diffusers on but at night and have that support for respiratory health as well as uh, detoxing. And there's there's a lot of evidence to support just the calm the calming effects of essential oils helping to keep a, a restful night's sleep. When we sleep is when our body does the vast majority of its detoxing. Mm -hmm. So it's really a very powerful tool to support our bodies while we sleep. It just is, it's again, the way God made it, right? So if we can implement that one piece, we will be doing a lot of good for our families and uh, definitely support detoxing sleep and immune support. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you for that. 
I'm sure that'll bring a lot of peace and hope to, to many families. A lot of peace. I, I really want to encourage people. And that's, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of other protocols out there that incorporate different supplements. Right now, the, the simple thing that I would recommend is that people have uh, a good nutritional lineup of support, including vitamin D, including magnesium and zinc. And a, a lot of the same protocols that we're using to support the detoxification process is what we're using to prevent infection to begin with. So there's really no, um, no harm one way or another, we're going to be supporting our body to do what it's supposed to do best. Yeah. So, so with zinc and um, vitamin D and is that all just oral supplements or? Those, yeah, those are oral supplements. We recommend essential oils do not have vitamins. So that's the thing to keep in mind. Essential oils are specifically chemical compounds that are very capable of of actually penetrating and dialoguing at a cellular level, which kind of is reminiscent of the technology of this mRNA technology anyway, is to get inside the cell and impact its conversation, right? Essential oils do that in a natural way, in a way that doesn't override our system, but rather prompts cells to do what they're supposed to do. So if you have a mutated cell, right? and it's continuing to replicate, that's a very bad thing in the body, right? An essential oil can come in and basically say, hey, bad boy, you need to die, <laughs> right? You are an unhealthy cell, we don't want you anymore. And that's that process called apoptosis, which basically means healthy cell death. So what we're basically talking about is again, essential oils work at a cellular level to keep cell function happening properly supplements help the body to produce the right kind of antioxidants and the right kind of nutritional support and the two work in tandem very well so that's that's what i work on we have a supplement line that has the essential oils already in it that's a game changer it's the the number one thing i recommend for my clients is to get on that supplement line it's called lifelong vitality and it's a great place to begin and from there, we can add different aspects of support as need be. Okay. Is it, what is it? doTERRA. doTERRA. Yep. So doTERRA, actually, they have a very strong presence down there in Australia. It's easy to access. Um, of course, I'm happy to help. I have a wholesale membership opportunity that gives you a 25% discount. Those are things that you can take advantage of no matter where you are, if you're in Australia, if you're stateside. And um, the company itself... Um, I chose to partner with simply out of uh, uh, 10 years of, I've been in this space 10 years now, they have shown up as being very integrity based and I love their model of sourcing and the testing that they go to, to make sure that these are really a pharmacological grade product that we can see the consistent support time and again, because that's, I mean, we're talking about something from mother nature. Yeah. And so to be able to produce consistency is an art. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. Is there anything, any last parting advice that you could give to mothers or families um, who feel that they are right in the middle of the hard and they just don't know what the next right step is? Yeah. I love that we've bridged the, the parenting, the spiritual, 
the physical in this conversation. And I think that the, the, the words that I just want to share is that God has a desire to bring hope and healing in all of these areas. He is concerned about your physical concerns, about your bodily health. He is concerned about your mental well-being right now, your desire for friendship, your struggle with loneliness. He does care about your children and, and your desire to raise up for him, you know, kingdom children. And, um, and so just to hold on to hope, hope in each one of those areas and to keep your heart and your mind open and listening, he will prompt you, you know, he will give you that grace when you need it. You might not need it until the moment rises, but when the moment rises, he will. And it's just like this podcast, whoever's listening I do think they're meant to listen. There's there's something in this for you right now. And so just to be attentive and trusting, he will he will lead us all. He'll lead us all home when we yeah. surrender. That's so beautiful. And it's like what you were saying with Gemma. Um we're not their savior. Right. We already have one. <laughs> and let him save you. Amen. Yes. Yes. And- Give him the privilege of bringing you home. You know, that's when you were saying that you realised that it wasn't you, you know, it wasn't what you were to say, it wasn't what you were doing for Gemma. It was allow standing back and allowing him to bring her home, to bring her closer to his heart. You know, it's it's such a reminder for, for me, especially as a parent, to always think, how am I going to fix this situation? How am I going to control this? How am I going to, you know, um, direct her or him? Mm-hmm. Just let him, just hand it over. Right. So thank yeah. you very much. You're, you're exactly right. And there are moments when he asks us to, to step back and he asks us to step in. And there's moments just in our health too, the same reality. When we are asked to engage, to do something proactive, prophylactic prudent but there are also times when we just have to let the anxiety go and trust that god can do the healing Mm. so it is a dance and it is a delicate walk but we're in it together and i hope that if anybody finds support in in our journey we just try to be transparent they can follow along on instagram at catholic.oil.mom and you know we we just try to to Put ourselves out there to, to touch a soul or help someone along the journey so i'd love to hear from you thank you so much for your witness um before we leave i always ask my guests something that brought them joy this week so if you could think of anything what would well, it be it would be josephine last night <laughs> i uh, heard little little josephine wailing and gemma i could tell she just reached one of those moments where she was like good riddance I don't know how to handle this baby right now at two o'clock in the morning. And so I ran down from my room and I just sweep that little baby up into my arms. And and I had actually had COVID and had been sick for the last couple of weeks prior to this. So I had been kind of distant, right? I couldn't snuggle, I couldn't be close. And so just to have her in my arms and to experience that bonding of a a grandmother with her baby, it, it was, I don't know. It was a very, very joyful moment. So that's that's my moment for you is just having that privilege of having her close and being able to to hold her and comfort her. It was quite the quite the moment of joy. How beautiful. 
Uh, well, mine is also something from my daughter. She didn't birth a baby, but she birthed a, a business. <laughs> wow, congratulations. Yeah. Tell well, it's been, it's, it's been this year, but she just had, she has a ceramics business called um, Snug Ceramics. Uh, it's a, her nickname, we call her Snug. So that's the name of her business. And she is 16 and she makes these mugs and they're amazing. She's so creative and um, she's always got an activity or, you know, some something on the go, whether it's sourdough or, you know, anything. She's now making jewellery for the next release. But she's just done really, really, really well. And I just, um, I'm so proud of her. So she's brought me a lot of joy this week. I love seeing innovators. It's just so exciting. So congratulations. That's so creative. Yeah, I can't wait to see what uh, her future holds, what what God has in store for her. So it's it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Thank you very much. I better let you get back to your beautiful tribe. Thank you. Thank you. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share, and I look forward to following along and uh, journeying with you all from across the other the other side of the pond. <laughs> Thanks, Chantel. Peace with you all. Thank you.